Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy work for small to medium size businesses and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans and help keeping them accountable to get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We're also very excited. We've launched Lost at CEO. That's our book. It has become an Amazon bestseller in 12 different categories. And so we encourage you to go out. It's a great read, a fable on how to do strategic planning and execution the right way. With that, I'm really excited for our guest today, Marcus Ogden. He has a little background about Marcus. Is he was drafted into the NFL in 2003. He was an offensive lineman, and after five years of playing in the league, he decided to retire and pursue a career in construction and contracting. At the age of 27, he found a construction company called Caden Palmer Enterprises, and he was doing really, really well, but then the Great Recession happened. And then with the Great Recession, ultimately, he lost that company, went bankrupt, losing almost $2 million on one project in a matter of 90 days. And, and Marcus, we're going to have to talk more about that because that must have been one of the scariest things to go through, something in that piece. Uh, and then during your darkest hours, you pulled yourself together, got a part-time job as a custodian, but with incredible hard work, determination, become an, became an inspirational, what you are today, inspirational keynote speaker, executive coach, best-selling author, and marketing leader helping to build the success of others. Marcus, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Carl. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's dive in to that moment where, and I'm not talking about the NFL moment because I want to go back to that here in a little bit, but here you are, you've had all the success of your life and you are at this position where you know things are not going well. How was your state of mind when when you could see just everything turning to this position where you didn't know how you're going to turn on or if you would ever be able to turn that company around? Yeah. So my state of mind was one of panic. It was one of uncertainty. It was one of stress. It was one of sleepless nights for so many nights and so many weeks and so many months. And it was just a lot. And I ended up losing that company in April of 2013. And as I can tell you right now, all the things I was dealing with, trying to save that company, trying to keep it afloat, uh, and between the money that I spent of the company's money, that my own personal money, then I took out a, a second mortgage against my home from a loan shark. Uh, I couldn't pay it back the second time, going through all the type of resources that I went through, exhausting everything to that point. You know what I mean? And it's really, really just not good. So I've really, really have dealt with a lot and I dealt with a lot trying to keep that company going and keep the lights on. But unfortunately in April, 2013, I was not able to fight the good fight anymore. And I ended up losing that company and everything that I owned in the process. 
So that's a long time of dealing with stress. I mean, this wasn't just at the moment of 2010 when things started to fall down. You try to keep this together for an additional three years, you know, through that process. You got to a point of where you had success, came all the way down to you lost everything through that day one. So just day one after that event, here you are now working. You're trying to make just ends meet, get some money in the bank. You're working, I believe you said, a custodian. Mm-hmm. What was going through your mind then? So at that time, it was just survival mode. There was no thriving whatsoever. It was just me doing what I had to do to just earn a paycheck to just, again, keep the lights on. And so when I moved to Raleigh in 2013, I ended up working for Merrill Lynch for a short time, got fired all my fault. Went to a construction company the next day from that job. Got fired from that job five days later. I was fired twice in the same week. So I started doing like football training. I was a birthday clown where I would play football with kids at birthday parties. I literally started to troll living social to pick up some one-on-one clients that I was getting connected with through the platform. I started selling individual packages and that's how it's made money but it wasn't enough. And then I took the job as a custodian in downtown Raleigh. One of my clients had a custodial janitorial business, needed help, said she was paying $8 an hour. I took the opportunity and she gave me $8.25 per hour. Hence, one of our signature keynotes is the ego mistake from eight figures to $8.25 per hour. But again, right, Carl, it was just survival mode. It was just trying to stay afloat and not be homeless. That's all that I thought about working that job until I had my rock bottom moment, which made me realize if I don't make a change today, I'm gonna be here for the rest of my life. And that's when I embarked on my new calling, passion journey, which I'm doing today, which is now, because I had that rock bottom moment, September, 2013. Now here we are over a decade later, This is my life's work. Okay, so you have rock bottom moment and you're like, I need to turn things around. I need to get back. Once again, you were an NFL player. I want to talk about that here in just a moment. We're going to go back to that. But when you're getting ready to start over on those building blocks, who helped mentor you or give you guidance? Or was it just your own, you know, pulling up your bootstraps, so to speak, to help give you that strength that you can do it? So Andre Collins, who worked at the NFL PA league office at that time, gave me the information about going for the Gene Upshaw Trust Fund, which was a fund to help players that could prove financial hardship. So I applied for that and I got it in probably May, June of 2013. So that gave me some room because without that grant, I'm going homeless. There's just no way I can make enough money to pay the bills. So Andre Collins was my mentor who told me about the program and go, you know, saying, you know, in, in that regard. And it was really, really, really awesome. And to this day, I thank Andre Collins, Roman Oban, who played also in the NFL. He played for the Bucks, the Browns, the Giants, okay. offensive tackle, great guy. But then I also thank Brad Mitchell, who I met in 2018, who is now my coach, who is my mentor. He made me understand and he helped me to teach myself 
how to use my past football lingo and language able to be successful in the business world. But in 2013, Andre Collins was the mentor and my main mentor who helped me to get myself into at least a decent position where I wouldn't go homeless. And without him and his guidance and him saying, hey, if you need anything, let us know. I can tell you right now, it would have never worked or would have turned out a lot worse in 2013 for me and my friend. Wow. And that's exciting. I mean, that's what why I was curious to ask because often it does take somebody that can help give us perspective or a hand that we could hold on to, right? For just getting through the basics and then give us hope again because anyone who's listening here has been through something where they have failed. Our confidence goes down, you know, and, and it could really just spiral. You could get in the doom loop, right? Where things just do not get better and you just keep it going down and down and down. And each event ends up being a negative event as opposed to the opposite, right? Of having this positive climb where you seem like you're getting positive momentum time and time again. Troy, we're going to go to your coaching, but I want to now go back to your NFL career for a minute. What surprised you the most? Here you are, one of the top athletes in the world, being in the NFL. Your offensive lineman, like there's only five of those starting positions on 32 teams. So you're literally one of the best players in the world at your position during that period of time to be able to have the opportunity to play in the NFL. What surprised you when you were in it? What surprised me when I was in the NFL was I knew about the business side of it on the field, but I didn't realize how much of it was a business off the field, like the image. I knew that they wanted to have fan support, but between doing things in the community, right, public relations, directors of HR, media relations, you know, nonprofit relations, there's so many different people working in NFL teams on relations and image and how to connect with the fans. And I didn't have that at Howard University. We were an amazing institution, great football program, but we didn't really think about, you know, because I'm in Washington, D.C., we didn't have any of those type of relations where we're trying to worry about, you know, a lot of people that knew about us from like, you know, being at HBCU, we were, I mean, how it was known for its football and for its homecoming, all these things. So it was awesome. But when I got to the NFL, I'm like, wow, there's so much into the relations side. Again, media, public relations, community images. They have a youth relations manager, flag football. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And I love that. And that I didn't realize until that time how much of an off-the-field business image is involved in being an NFL athlete playing in the National Football League. So here you have your your basics, meaning you're trying to first be the best player you can be and start and continue to play. Right. NFL, right, that one acronym, as you know, is not for long. It is not easy to stay in the NFL. And and now you have these obligations, right, which are important, right? Because this is why so many people love the game is because they feel connected to the local community, to the players. But then you have the grind of actually being physically at your best and mentally at your best. When you put all that time together, how much actual hours per week, so to speak, that you would be putting together into making sure you're ready for every Sunday? Oh, good Lord. Easily. 50, 60 hours a week. I mean, you got to think you're there early, 
5 a.m., you know, you're there early and you're trying to get all that moving in the right direction. And then you've got practice and you've got, you know, all these different things and you've got meetings and this and that. And so it's a lot, right? Game preparation, planning, you know, all these things. And as a result of that, it's really a lot on you. So you got to think your games are on Sundays usually. So you got Monday, you come in, you got film study and all this stuff. You know, that can take you, you know, you know a good, you know, you know, eight, 10 to 12, eight to 12 hours, you know, for the day, practicing, watching all that stuff, like a work day. Your day off is Tuesday, right? This is when I play maybe different now. And, but you still come in for treatment, lifting, working, looking at game film, prepping, getting a jump start on any film of upcoming opponent, going to your room with your teammates or your coaches and get that extra film study. Then you got Wednesdays, which is full planning day of like, you know, your game planning, get your, you get your playbook for the week, which you're going to be running. You have a big playbook when it comes time for training camp, but they shorten it down by week. We're going to run a lot of this play and this play. So it may, they make it a lot more compact and shorter for the upcoming week. So then you got Wednesdays and Thursdays are the same type of day. And Friday is usually, you know, a lighter day. You're still on the field going through stuff. And then Saturday's a walkthrough. Then you're off on the plane heading to your state. If you're away, if you're home, you get a chance to go home for a few hours, go to the hotel, spend the night, do meetings, all that, wake up, breakfast, meetings again, boom, you're off to the stadium. So it's an absolute round-the-clock crazy job. Love it to death. It was awesome. But I tell all athletes, it's not your long-term career because at some point it will end. It is a job. Treat it as such. And the money that you make, put it away. Save it. Don't go and spend it. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Don't try to worry about your image. Just save that money. Because again, money is so easy to spend, but so hard to make. I mean, you probably know the numbers better than I do, but the amount of NFL players that come out and are broke within X amount of years, I mean, it's, I, I don't know what it's, those numbers are, but it's been, it's been t- said as it's high as 78%. Some people say it's much lower today, you know, but again, it is depends. We got to think about, you know, good thing the NFL does now. And I'm so happy to hear this. They're paying guys over 36 weeks, not just the season of 17 or 18 weeks, which is great. It spreads the money out. But again, you got to think that you're getting paid. Right. But also, if you don't make the team, what's going to happen the next year or the year after, those bills don't stop. So I try to tell everybody, keep the bills manageable. So if you're not playing or you don't make the team or you're not going to be on the roster, what the case may be, you've got reserves. A lot of guys I remember playing with in my day, unfortunately, would play, again, at that time we were getting paid uh, 18 weeks out of the year. You could end up being paycheck to paycheck going into minicamp or into training camp. And I knew several guys who were like that, that would basically just ball out, and the next thing you know, they're going into camp, uh, training camp, or mini-camp or training camp, and they don't have enough money to sustain. And it's, it's, I saw it happen many times, unfortunately. Luckily for me, right, Carl, I had my brother, who I could watch and learn from, and, my, and our dad was a financial advisor and was around the banking industry. So we had some really great, Life lessons taught to us early, but I tell athletes, don't get into a habit 
of overspending. Because if you make a million dollars, you spend $1.1 million, what good is it? That's right. I think mean, I think that's fascinating. You talk about there, and once again, who, whatever the exact numbers are right now, but basically four out of five players are are bankrupt. But then you also talked about they come in and they're hungry because they're literally hungry. I mean, they are they've run out of money from the previous year because they spent it due to the way how things were spent, which of course creates just this massive competitiveness. Right? People need to be on the field, right, to be able to earn that type of income. Lineman is is of all the positions, the least glamorized, but you're getting hammered in that, right? I mean, you guys, you're hammering people and you're getting hammered every single play. There, every play you are having a crucial impact with somebody across with you, another big human being going as fast as they can. It's a lot different, right? And the wide receiver, even the quarterback, you know, they, especially with the rules these days, right? It's, it's uh, even it used to be in the old days. I mean, I'm not saying they don't get hit hard and and uh it, I wouldn't want to get hit, you know, by the people who they get hit by. But it is amazing, right? The aggressiveness attack that they have to go through. I, I'm gonna ask one more NFL question. We're gonna move forward. So how nasty is it really in the line? I've heard stories, but is as nasty as what people say. Oh yeah, absolutely it is. It is an all-out war zone. You think you are having all these massively large individuals in a small, tight space, trying to hit each other, trying to hurt each other, trying to knock each other out, trying to put each other on the ground, punching in the face, punching in the body. I mean, it's just an absolute war zone. And it's not for the faint of heart. If you don't have a strong mindset, a strong work ethic, and be able to push to the next level, oh, yeah. You won't make it in this game. There's just no way. Because at the end of the day, it is going to really eat you at your core because guys are going to try to hurt you. They're going to try to knock you out. They're doing anything and everything to make your life a living hell. So if you don't have the right type of disposition for being in there, oh, man, you won't last. All right, so we're going to bring it back forward now to your coaching business. When you're speaking in front of an audience and, and you speak, you said to multiple different audience, corporate audiences or motivational type speak, speeches, what inspires people the most? Is it being in the NFL or is it coming and turning around from hitting rock bottom and climbing back up again? I'm kind of curious, what do people resonate and, and get most impressed with? Oh, absolutely. It is being knocked down in business to the depths of the sea, to the depths of Hades, and then bouncing back and coming back. I've been through a lot, right? I've been through a lot. Bankruptcy, divorce, putting myself back up, bringing myself back up again, you name it. People get impressed with the fact that I was able to come back from a Chapter 7 complete bankruptcy Literally, I started the filing process about 10 and a half years ago. I would say I started actually able to pay it all off to start the process about 10 years ago. And it took me, it had, I had lingering effects from that until literally about 2018. So I've really had to deal with a lot. And people can't relate to football in that degree. Very few people can relate to football at a high level like I played. But everybody, in some retrospect, 
can relate to having to bounce back from a hard time, hardships, making a mistake, financial mistakes and miscalculations, all those things. So I can clearly say without a, without a doubt, Carl, people get really excited. They get really inspired by me bouncing back after I hit complete rock bottom in September 2013. It's interesting because you you talk about you knew exactly September 2013. Was there a specific thing that was like, it can't get any worse than this? Oh, yeah. It was my rock bottom moment as a custodian taking the trash out and somebody's rotten, nasty, protruding, horrible smelling garbage got all over my body, my skin and my clothes. And that was in September 2013. I cleaned myself up, put my head in my hands as I sat on that curb on the street, and I cried. And what I realized after 10 minutes of crying is that my life had become a shadow of who I used to be as an accountable person. I made some mistakes in business. I got over leveraged in business, and I made some mishaps, some miscalculations, some missteps. And I end up losing it all. But what I realized was is that having no accountability, no responsibility, blaming everyone but me was an internal problem that I needed to fix. And until I fixed the internal problem, the external problem was never going to go away. So I finally fixed the internal problem and said, Marcus, you were the culprit. Marcus, you were the one that messed up. And as a result of that, that gave me the strength that I need to say, okay, now I know whose fault it was. Now it's time to get your life back on track. And that's when I started speaking. But if you're listening, just because you own your mistake and try to fix it and move on, doesn't mean you're going to get what you want right away. It took me two and a half years to get my first paid speaking job. I'm a podcaster. We're in the top 1% in the world, most popular. But I started another podcast a couple years back, grew that, and then I left that because me and my co-host had a disagreement. And I literally did not want to start another podcast. It took my good friend, former NFL quarterback, Gus Farad, four times for him to ask me. And I finally said yes on the fourth time. And I tell Gus all the time, Thank you for not giving up on me because I couldn't imagine my life without the podcast. Who I've met, awesome interviews, great stories, great friends, clients, people that I send business to, you people that I'm coaching, right? I just started another part of my business, right, Carl? Helping podcasters who have a good podcast monetize. 95% of podcasters don't monetize. 5% do. We're in the top 5%. Go a step further. 1% of that top 5% makes six figures or more through sponsorship. And we're in that top 1%. I've made over a quarter million dollars of sponsorship money in over a year. That's about a year's time. And I say that if you're listening, you have a podcast, you too can monetize your podcast. Yes, downloads are important. All that stuff is awesome. But there's more to it than that. There's a secret to learning how to make others want to 
support your podcast, but you have to understand what that is. So again, that's what we're really about here, right? We're about turning it around. But what happened is that rock bottom moment where I call my spoiled milk moment made me realize if I don't fix the internal issues, then externally, I'm going to be in the same spot no matter what. I touch on that podcast part a moment. And I, and I think that what people don't understand is for the most part, the podcast is it's it, it people are paying to have it be there. You nailed it. There's very, very, very few people that actually create direct value. Now they might create indirect value, right? That they might be able to do and derive from perhaps their meeting with potential clients or things of that nature. But truly monetizing the podcast itself, it is not easy. And it's no, it's not too different than the book world. The reality is, is very few authors sell enough to actually provide, quote unquote, a living, right? For the most part, the book itself, what is it? I think 250 books. And that's the average, not the median. Like nobody wants to share what the median is because nobody wants to disclose it. But you know, you think of the, you have the very people at the very top make, selling millions of books, and then you had everybody else and they say at 250 is the average. I think it's way below that. Going back to the what you, you've shown is you, you don't want to quit. Right. You you gotta make sure that even when you're at rock bottom, whether you have a podcast or selling a book or you have a business that's turned around, it can turn around. You can change things, you can make them better. You have to have the right mindset. So as you are now coaching individuals, what is your key principles that you work with them with to help coach them to get them in the right direction? The four Vs, which lead you to the fifth B, which is victory. B number one is visualize. If you can't visualize where you want to be, if you can't have your mind turn on where it wants to go, if you're not happy with where you are, you're going to always stay in that rut, in that negativity, in that darkness. I tell my clients they have to visualize what they want. Two, you have to vocalize what you want. You have to speak good intentions, good thoughts, good words about you. If you are not your biggest cheerleader, why would anyone else be? So you have to speak it. You got to vocalize. You can talk internally, which we call meditation, or you can talk externally, which we talk about as manifestation. But it's got to come from you. Next, three is vote. I tell my clients every single day, do something that's going to move you towards achieving a goal or a desired outcome. It's all about casting a positive vote. Make a phone call. Do a great podcast like yours, Carl. Host a podcast. Send an email. Do what you have to do. Get out there. You gotta get moving. You have to cast a positive vote every single day. And in the fourth B, vicinity. Who you hang around is who you will become. If you're around toxic, negative people, you will become that. Or worse yet, you may not be that, but everybody else thinks you are that. Once people have that preconceived notion of you, it is really hard to remove that stigma, really hard. So once I, in my apartment, I was trying to get my life together after my divorce, I visualized 
that I didn't want to be in this small apartment. If my daughter's listening, she's watching something on TV. She'll remember telling me this. I remember when she told me, Daddy, Daddy, I hope you don't mind find this offensive or not bad, but your office is small. The apartment was small. And she was right. And it's interesting because she's nine now. And I understand that because at that age, I had a house, all this type of stuff. So I get it. So I felt really bad. So I started to visualize, right, Carl, what I wanted in a new house. Did I know what it's going to look like? Nope. No idea. And I visualized moving into my new home by November 15th of 2023, right? Then I vocalized. It was positive to myself. I voted something good every day towards achieving a goal or a dream. And I changed who I was around, my vicinity. I bought my house, my dream home, May 15th of this year. I moved in six months ahead of schedule. And again, at this time last year, I had not even had my first mediation meeting to discover and to create what we needed for a agreement between me and my now ex. I was still in the house trying to just keep the peace while waiting. So this was exactly a year ago. That's where I was. Today, I'm in my new home. I have a phenomenal people around me. I've changed my mindset. I'm much more outgoing. I've always been outgoing. I'm much more now you know, in a positive state of mind. And again, that's what it's about. So visualizing, vocalizing, voting in the vicinity have now led me to the fifth B of victory. That is fantastic. And, and I love those principles that have been set in place. Now, of course, I'm going to ask the questions I love to ask in every podcast that we do. So number one, in your current business, how are you measuring success? I measure success by our clients' success. When our clients are happy and they're joyful and they're excited about working with us and they love working with us and they are promoting us and they're telling people about us, that's how I measure success. If our clients are happy, then I'm happy. All right, so now we'll go into the side and and I, I think you just shared a part of it. How you measure success in your personal life? I measure success in my personal life by how happy my friends are around me. Do they want to be around me? Do they speak good of me to others? Am I the guy that people want to flock to and spend holidays with and travel with and do things with? Or am I the guy people are trying to stay clear from because I'm always negative? I'm always down. I can tell you what, in the apartment, I was that negative guy. I didn't even want to be in the apartment at all. So I was probably not really good to be around. And I could probably be on, and I can own that. But now that I'm in my new home, my development is called Serenity. That's our name of the development. And my street that I live on is Serendipity Drive. So now I'm in a state of serenity, serendipity, peace, serene. And because of that, I measure success with my friends as how they want to be around me. Now knowing, right, Carl, I'm in a much better state of mind. So doing something like what you described, and once again, massive transformation, so many challenges that you've gone through. What daily habits are you doing to help make sure you maintain the momentum? 
I go to the gym every single day and I'm always, and I mean always, out to listen to my team. My team knows if they have a thought, an idea, a suggestion, they can tell me whatever is on their mind. And as a result of that, that's how I keep myself moving and being humble because I know without my team, I am absolutely nothing. Please give us two things you haven't given so far. Uh, the name of your specific podcast so people can check it out and your book. Get Authentic with Marcus Ogden is our podcast. We've written four books, two co-authored, two by ourselves. The two by ourselves are Sleepless Nights, The NFL, A Business and a Family. That was book one. And then book two was The Success Cycle. Ambition, Drive, and Hard Work Create the Cycle of Success. So those are the two books that we authored by ourselves. Fantastic. Okay, now, what is a book along the way that has inspired you that you want to share with our audience? Mm. The Breakthrough Code by Tom McCarthy. He's a personal friend. He used to work for Tony Robbins as his head of marketing and sales. He's an awesome guy. His book was around parables and around a narrative of an individual who had success, that had challenges, and then bounced back. And I really appreciate a lot of his great topics and great information in the book around you know, mindset and how to think and how to process and how to move and how to groove and how to really get that value at the ultimate level. And that's why our podcast is doing so well and we're so fortunate. We have great people around us, but at the same time, we also get value to having great guests on but we also market our podcast very well through email marketing, social media, SEO. And we're always trying to get on great podcasts like yours to talk about our podcast. But again, it's all about just continuing to move in that space. Absolutely. Okay. How can people reach out and connect and learn more about you? They can go to uh, our app, which is Marcus Ogden. If you have an Apple phone, or an Android or a Google, or whatever the case you have, go to your app store, type in Marcus Ogden, and it will pop right up. You can download, you can follow us through our website, to our podcast, to exclusive content that's on the app. You can also go to www.marcus, that's M-A-R-Q-U-E-S 360.com, or just shoot me an email, marcus at marcusogden.com. Marcus, it has been an absolute Pleasure to have you on the Measure Success Podcast today. Thanks for having me on, Carl. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And to everyone else who's listening, I hope you have been absolutely inspired by this. I mean, nothing is more inspiring than somebody who's been at the top, had another top, then went all the way down to absolute challenges like Marcus did. But what he has done is shown resiliency and being able to get out of there. And now he's he's taken what he's learned and helping to inspire others, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Like, that's the gift we have. When we get the opportunity to be successful, I feel it's our duty. That's why we big reason we have this podcast. It's our duty to help share the success that we have ourselves and that we have get to meet with others so it can inspire you, the audience. And, and we like to say with our own podcast, please go out and give it ratings. That's what helps continue to give us the energy and the volume and continue to grow. So as we are on our quest to become one of the 
top 1% podcast as well. Well, with that, as we always like to say, wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes. Thank you.